Welcome to the Extraordinary Educators Podcast. Your hosts, Danielle Sullivan, National Director at Curriculum Associates, and Sari Labaris, Social Communications Manager at Curriculum Associates, are here to share actionable tips, best practices, and success stories to improve your classroom and drive student learning. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. This is Danielle. Hey, everyone. It's Sari, and welcome back to the Extraordinary Educators Podcast. We know there is a lot happening right now, and we hope we can provide you with some insights, tips, and best practices, and of course, breathing room from the critical work you do. We are here to support teaching and learning wherever it is taking place. And we are super excited for this episode. We have with us today an extraordinary educator, Maria Volrath from Florida. Uh, So Maria, if you can go ahead and introduce yourself and welcome. Hi, everybody. My name is Maria Volrath, and I am a third grade teacher at Vineyards Elementary in Naples, Florida, Florida, um, and Collier County Public Schools. And I have been a teacher now. This is my 15th year in Collier County. I started as a kindergarten teacher and then moved on to first grade. And this is actually my first year in third grade. How's it going? How's your year going? Are you in school? Are you hybrid? Just kind of describe a little bit of uh, your year for us. So this is actually, this is more, you know, pertaining to me personally, but um, I chose to take an opportunity at a new school this year. Um, So I left a school that I was at for um, 10 years and took, you know, this opportunity in a a time of just craziness to go ahead and, and, and move a school that I've been at for 10 years, take an opportunity at a new school in hopes to kind of grow as an educator. Um, and and teach third grade. So I'm here in a new school in the middle of a pandemic in a new grade, um, in a tested grade, which I've never done before also. So I kind of say, you know what, like, why not? Um, So here I am teaching a tested grade and and trying to learn the new school all at the same time, um, which has been difficult, you know, especially you have instructional practices that are are good instructional practices that you can use regardless of the grade. but now I'm in, in a time where those practices that were once my go-to, um, we, you know, we have to rethink them. So that's been kind of a challenge for sure. Um, I am in a school where we are primarily in person. Um, some other schools in Collier County um, are, are more virtual, but we started the year with two classrooms that were virtual. I was always completely in person. So I've been in person since day one, um, but we have had a lot of shifting and movement of kids due to coming you know, virtual to in-class, in-person to virtual to in-person. Um, and we are now down to one virtual class in third grade. Um, we have eight classes all together. Um, but again, I've been in person the whole time, but it's really just been a shift for instructional strategies and practices that we've really had to, um, create and kind of think on the fly as we started this year. You give us an example of one of the strategies that maybe was a go-to strategy that you had to shift in the current environment and oh you know let's just take on everything so you are like the poster woman for growth mindset i will just share you're like (laughs) yes yes i will change in a pandemic yes i'll teach a new grade in a testing state yes yes and i'm i think i'm a little nuts but okay here we are (laughs) Uh, we're working right through it um so i mean honestly it's it's just a matter of um organization of 
okay, now I can't even have my um, my students' materials organized the same way that I did. So it's almost like classroom management strategies um, and organization in the classroom that I had to rethink. You know, um, now we have to have everything in our desks, and I'm an organizational freak and i want everything to be so you know and now they have everything in their desk and it's a mess and i can't even stand it um <laughs> sharpening pencils you know they can't share pencils so if they need a sharpened pencil you know wiping down pencils after school so that they have a sharpened pencil the next day and we can reuse them so we don't waste them um i'm kagan trained so doing a lot of collaborative structures where they would stand up and hand up and pair up and and talk with each other you know right next to each other um, you know, we can't do that close cooperative learning like we used to. Um, so it's finding a way to still do cooperative learning strategies, but where we're kind of more at a distance. And so um, there are strategies that I'm still able to use, but we have to kind of do them where we're sitting at our seats. I think during this time, a lot of people have better respect for teachers and the work you guys do every day, right? And the shift to virtual or hybrid or whatnot, but but people still have a hard time, either they don't think of it or getting their head around is like the small little logistical things that make a classroom work, like pencil sharpening. You know, like when I taught you had like the pencil sharpener job and at the end of the day, that coveted student was super excited to sharpen the whole yeah. thing, but it's like, you have to rethink every little small thing. And I'm sure things arise every day where you all of a sudden on the fly are like, wait a second, I can't do that and so just the flexibility and willingness to just have to try something new is is really incredible so thank you for that yeah. <laughs> it's, it's remarkable I hated pencil sharpening that was one of the vein of my existence as a teacher I just like they never had them <laughs> we could do a whole podcast just on the struggle of having sharpened pencils in Listen, elementary school throughout, classroom. <laughs> throughout the day, like my kids, if they run out, you know, they, they start with two sharpened pencils every day. Um, but if it, you know, pencils break, whatever, you know, they just hold them up and I get up. And I mean, part of the time, like, okay, if I could just get back the time that I'm like resharpening pencils, because I, I also don't let them sharpen them because I don't want them touching the sharpener. And then I don't want them, they break my sharpener every year. And that's like 70, 80 bucks every year that I'm having to buy a new sharpener. You know, I mean, these, these are the things, these are the things that drive me crazy <laughs> throughout my day. But, um, you know, masks, you know, just wearing the mask. Okay, over your nose, over your nose. Okay, it's a quick drink. Remember, like, get your mask back up over your nose, you know, and just, and, it, and they're third graders, let alone, I give credit to kindergarten and first grade teachers who, you know, those kiddos really just don't understand, you know, as much as my third graders. So. So I wanted to thinking about sharpened pencils and just even access to masks. How are you incorporating relationships with families during this time? Has it changed? Is it, um, you know, are you doing new strategies with them? If you just can tell us a little bit about that, it'd be great. Yes. Um, so I really feel strongly about communication with my families, with my students and my families in general. Um, I feel it's my philosophy that it truly is a team effort. So I utilize um, Class Dojo. I always have, even in my primary years. Um, I use it to communicate with my parents, um, just business-like things, and then also just the great work that their student is doing throughout the day and the work that we're doing throughout the day. Um, so that they have something, you know, over the dinner table that they can communicate over. Hey, I saw that you did this today or, hey, you reached this goal today. You know, let's talk about that. So I try to create that, um, you know, topic of discussion for them over the dinner table through that application. 
Um, I take pictures all throughout the day and um, send them through the parents, through Class Dojo. And then also um, I make sure that we have data binders where we communicate um, different goals throughout our content areas. So whether it be for reading levels, reading counts, um, Lexile levels, iReady diagnostic scores, um, math performance on the learning goals. They have graphs for every subject area where the students um, kind of make goals and then graph their progress throughout the year. And those data binders go home with interims um, and then with the report card, so twice a quarter. And then the class dojo is daily, weekly, most of the time daily. Um, I also utilize goal setting in my classroom. That is a big component of my day where the kids will create a goal and it's based on, it's their preference. So they can create a goal for iReady for their weekly lessons. They can create, we create one for every diagnostic and growth monitoring. Um, they can create one for reading counts. They can create one for their math performance. And then they can also create one for their personal, like, I need to learn how to, you know, score a penalty kick in soccer, whatever it might be, just any kind of personal goal that they want to reach, trying to reach that whole child. So um, I will take a picture of their goal. I will send it to the parents on Class Dojo. And then when they reach that goal, I take a picture, we celebrate, um, and then they create a new goal. And I send that to the parent as well so that the parents are constantly aware of what their child is personally working on in the classroom and when they reach it. How cool is that? Lot, so you yeah. can basically real time communicate through Class Dojo, like texting families. Pretty much, yes. And I wow. mean, at times, you know, during the day, I will say, um, because you know, I'm new to the this grade level, I'm not as quick with it. But I, I take them all throughout the day. Um, but then, honestly, at night before I go to bed, like my wind down time, I go through my phone. And I'm like, oh, here are all my pictures from the day. And like my, I start blowing up my parents sometimes around eight, nine o'clock. If I didn't get to it, like during break times during the day, um, that I will send it to them at night so that they see it all. That's incredible. So let's just pause. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And unpack that for a second. That is your wind down time is prioritizing communication. So let's just honor you for a moment of how amazing that is. Because that's just, again, that's why teachers just go above and beyond that you are prioritizing that they know that their children are being well cared for and engaged during the school day. So you take it out of your evening to make sure that they see those pictures like that's commendable for reals. Thank I wouldn't you. know why it's not for reals. I enjoy it, though. Reals. I. I enjoy um, celebrating my student success, you know, like when they're successful, I feel successful. Um, and I want, I want their parents to feel that as well. And the more of that positive reinforcement from me, from their parents, you know, I feel like it's impactful on the student. So, you know, the quicker I can do that and make that happen, the better for all, right? It's so nice having that technology now because yeah, as soon as a student does something you want to celebrate, you can send it to the family before the student even comes home. So that way it's immediately something they can connect about and the data doesn't go stale or the student doesn't forget what happened yesterday or even earlier in the week, you know, so. Right. I mean, it's just, it's the same premise of, you know, anytime there's, you know, there's something maybe that negative happened that day, you know, when we want to try to fix a behavior or redirect a behavior, you know, we have to be um, very quick. You know, we have to, readdress it right away so that the students, like you said, like they don't forget, oh, well, why'd you do that? You know, we have to kind of have that reflection time. So 
I think reflecting on negative behavior um, that we want to refocus and redirect, it's, it, it works on the opposite end of this, the ladder or whatever, the spectrum as well. That's, wow. I mean, just let me, there's so much you said from goal setting to encouraging not just academic goal setting. I love how you also encourage students to do personal goal setting too. You celebrate the goals, you are engaging and making sure families are visible and partnering in with that. Did you do that before the pandemic or is that something that is has introduced since this crazy no. wacky year? No, I did it before as well. Um, so I wanna say, I, I honestly forget where I, got the whole idea. I didn't, obviously I did not think of this at just like every teacher you learn from other teachers or you see it somewhere, or you learned it in a training and it just really, wherever I learned it. And I honestly can't remember where, um, but I thought, you know, Hey, that's something let's do that. And so we just, I started small and I started when I was in the first grade classroom and we started with like sight words and we started with I ready and, and math and whatever and personal. And then it kind of just, you know, it grew from there. And, um, you know, I really think it was impactful on my students. So I continued it. That's, that's awesome. Um, what, um, what advice would you have to teachers who either aren't using class dojo or just what you just described feels really overwhelming and daunting if they're not, regularly communicating with with families like where can they start i think even if um like i i have a newsletter you know that i send home every week like they could do a newsletter where they're talking about you know things that they are doing in the classroom and and including like a picture um maybe like a student spotlight on that newsletter where they're celebrating or um, maybe they start with just like an email, right? Everybody has email if you're not really tech savvy, but you know, we all have to have email. So maybe you email your parents or, um, you start with a data binder, right? Um, or one goal per month or just something small where you can start with just one goal. And maybe it's an area where, you know, you've noticed that the class is struggling the most. If it's an area of math or if it's an area of reading, you know, what do you want from your students? Where do they need to improve upon as a class? And maybe everybody sets a goal for that one particular content area or focus That's and great. start Super with that and then build from there. Mm -hmm. It's so fulfilling too. Like I remember when it's like it's the beginning of every school year, you're like, all right, here I go. And it just seems like a lot. But then once you establish that relationship and once you get the, the positive feedback, no matter what you're giving to them and it's mutually beneficial and you understand that students are bringing what they're learning in your classroom, wherever learning's happening to home, to their families, it's just, you just want to do more, right? So I think that's right. that's really great. Like a good starting point, pick one thing and just focus on that and then see where it goes from there. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that is all the time we have for today. But we would love for you to just, if you could just, what's one piece of advice or one just parting words for educators listening? Um, so you have a very different experience than a lot of other educators across the country. You've been in school the whole time. You've done an excellent job communicating with families, making sure students are engaging with their academics and goals. What would What advice would you give educators listening to this? If anything, at the end of the day, I have to tell myself this. At the end of the day, if you did your very best for your students, then that was enough that day. And tomorrow's a new day. 
and you are enough and you are showing up and you are doing all the things and your kids are growing, whether or not maybe you don't see it right now today, but they are growing and they know that they are loved and cared for and you are doing an amazing job. And we showed up when people, you know, when the world is on fire, here we are teachers, we're doing it and we're doing it well and keep on keeping on. I love that you are enough. And I think a lot of people, no matter what they're doing right now, <laughs> need to hear that, but particularly teachers. Yeah, as long as you gave it your all and 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 you got up in front of your students, whether it was on Zoom or in person, that that is enough. And tomorrow's always a new day. And you are doing an amazing job. And we thank you for being on our podcast. And we thank you for just supporting those third graders that you work with every single day, because I think teachers need to hear that they're doing an amazing job. So you're doing an amazing job too. Thank you. Thank you. you. (laughs) (laughs) So where can... Where can they connect with us? Yes. You How can, can people find out more? You can follow along on Twitter at Curriculum Masoch and on Instagram at MyIReady. And we will link all of these in the show notes. And please be sure to tag us in your post so we can see the amazing work that you do in your classrooms or wherever learning is happening every single day. And if you have feedback about the podcast, a topic of interest, or want to be a guest, you can email extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. This is about you. We are here for you. So until you listen again, be you, be true, be extraordinary. This podcast is produced by Curriculum Associates and is the copyrighted material and intellectual property of Curriculum Associates.